Welcome back, Dodecadorks. We're the 12-sided guys. We have Scott as Ornan. At your service. Sabrina as Sylvie. Oh, hello. Jordan as Magrim. You're most welcome. Matt as Guy. That is my name. Don't wear it out. And me, Paul, as Baby New Year. Goo goo. I was just <laughs> born today. Look at how adorable I am. I'm wearing a top hat and a diaper, maybe a sash, but nothing else. Goo goo. And as is tradition with the birthing of me, the New Year's baby, from an egg with a pterodactyl, I think, for some reason, it's time to air everyone's resolutions for the coming year. I'll go first. I resolve to stop talking about having a TPK. After all, actions speak louder than words. Scott, <laughs> what's Ornan's resolution? Well, I think it's about time I, I decided which goddess to worship instead of Aona. Ooh. Sabrina, what's Sylvie's resolution? Sylvie is going to learn how to play the flute really well, or at least uh, not be terrible at it. <laughs> Matt, what is Guy's resolution? This year, I resolve to only get into another romantic relationship for true love, <laughs> or money and comfort, <laughs> or if they're really cute. <laughs> and Jordan, what's Magram's resolution? Victor, with a grim look on his face, hunches over his dimly lit desk. With a furrowed brow, he furiously scratches his pen in his notebook. Dimly lit by the little fire of a candle beneath his alembic, his intensity is poured into his dark leather booklet. A new year, a new Victor, or Magrim, as my new best friends call me. <laughs> they are so wonderful, and they don't even bully me for my interests or hobbies. I love them so much. <laughs> this year will be different for me. No more running away and living off of what I can as a traveling physician. I'll actually try to help people. Well, I'll do my best to help them, as long as that hinky punk doesn't complicate things. Ugh. So what do I want to accomplish this year? Well, let's see. Hmm. Find a better source of making white phosphorus. I think the urine is starting to drive people away. And I don't want to make my new BFFs mad. They're so cool. Ah. I remember that Alain du Champion had some success using bones with acid. With coals as well? We'll see how that goes. Number two. I don't love it, but I seem to have a connection to this hinky punk, so perhaps I should spend some time trying to connect and control this. I can feel it within me like with the thrill of battle takes hold and the smell of fear and death are heavy in the air, like a welling lump in my throat. If I give in to it more often, perhaps I'll gain better control. Number three. I feel like I'm starting to tap into Kelimvor's power, manipulating the weave in accordance with his wishes. I'm not sure why he may have bestowed this gift on me or this responsibility. I need to start recording the procedures and processes for channeling this power. Perhaps others may benefit from this. I'll try to record every night. And number four, I will do 10 burpees every morning. Fitness <laughs> is important. Well, that does it for now, my dearest diary. Ah, you've been my only friend for so long. I hope you will forgive my excitement for my new best friends. Until tomorrow, hugs and kisses, Victor. Oh my gosh. <laughs> Way to make us all look like asses. 
And to all our listeners, what are all of your resolutions for the coming year? Oh, aha, uh-huh, that's a good one. Becoming top tier patrons of the 12 Set of Guys is a very attainable resolution. Mm-hmm. In fact, all you have to do is go to patreon.com slash 12 Set of Guys and sign up. Anyway, if you ever resolve to avenge the death of your father by defeating the former alchemist, now vile, purple, bloated ball sack, then this podcast is for you. <laughs> it's Chorus of the Forsaken, episode 19. Oh my. Sounds like I missed something really exciting. I'm pretty sure his name was Balzac. That's what I said. Balzac. Yes, I said Balzac. I said Balzac. <laughs> Big purple bloated Balzac. Oh, you. Oh, you. You know what game that is, anybody? I'm guessing it was Super Mario Bros. <laughs> <laughs> ding, 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 ding. We Did have I mean? a winner. <laughs> oh, Weird. My I goodness. don't remember any Balzacs in Super Mario Bros, but. <laughs> you must not have been playing the same game. Wah. I remember mushroom tips, though. <laughs> Jeez. <laughs> uh, it was Dragon Warrior. What do they call it oh, now? Dragon yeah, yeah, yeah. Dragon Quest. Dragon Quest uh, 4. Well, well <laughs> okay. Memory, memory Lane is uh, done. Welcome back to Via Severia and the City of Redlam. Last time that we were together with our main party, our party decided to go investigate what is going on with the Shrine of Sylvanus that is located just outside of the city on the east side. I believe it was pronounced Sylvanus. <laughs> <laughs> that sounds about right. Yeah, that does sound about right. Yes. R.I.P. Hubert. Oh, oh, we'll get there. I still see his token and it's so cute. Um, following up on some rumors that uh, Ornan had uncovered from a, uh, a family of halflings in the Oaken Throne uh, a couple days before, uh, he learned that the druids who normally oversaw the shrine of Sylvanus had been seen more and more in the city limits and they had been gathering in a park in the southwest section of town in the Sweet Quarter. So Ornan, Magram, Sylvie, and Guy decided to go over to the park and see what they could find out. While there, they met a halfling man named Arnold. Arnold Harfoot, actually. Um, a halfling man with some leaves in his hair, uh, wearing leather and... Uh, I was going to say leather and lace, but that's... <laughs> Interesting fact, Paul. Harfoot, Harfoot is what they call the hobbits in the uh, Rings of Power series on uh, Amazon Prime. Really? They're the Harfoots. Oh, yeah. Like Harefoot. Oh, I thought it was more like hard, hard foot because they walk around on their feet, but that makes more sense. Gross. <laughs> I don't know. Hard foot sounds pretty gross, too. <laughs> well, anyway, they met this halfling as well as there was a young, happy black bear and a fat old hog that were just hanging out there having some sort of a meeting. When our heroes uh, went in to go and talk with this group, the black bear wandered off further into the park and Arnold decided to tell you guys what was going on um, after you um, well you kind of shamed him I guess a little bit. We bullied Um, him yeah. You you bullied him into it. Um, He told you that Sylvanus is losing power. Not so much that the wild is not still wild but it is an unnatural wild. The balance of nature seems to have shifted. It's like a four loco. Wild (laughs) but not natural. (laughs) There you go. 
Uh, Art, you decided that you wanted to go and see what was going on in the Shrine of Sylvanus. So Arnold took you there and he opened up a path through the brambles, through this protective barrier that the druids had raised up to keep people from wandering in. Uh, and as the path opened, you ventured into the actual shrine, which is underground. When you came down the stone stairs into the first chamber, you saw an altar with a shrine set up to Sylvanus. Torches and candles were all lit, and you saw a figure, a figure worshiping at the statue of Sylvanus. When you confronted this figure, uh, they said a few things to you cryptically and then walked over, touching one of the roots that lined the walls and disappeared. As you ventured further into the uh, Shrine of Sylvanus, you discovered another couple of rooms, a library, a sitting room. And uh, as you were about to go and venture down uh, the last corridor towards the dormitory, suddenly you were beset upon by these large nine or ten foot tall insectoid beasts with large claws and sharp mandibles and a battle ensued. A few of you, uh, Ornan specifically, uh, failed a save and ended up out of control of his own body, walking into a wall, as did Arnold Harfoot. You brought one of them down and then the other one brought down Hubert the Hog before you were able to bring it down low as well. Sylvie... Paul made it happen. It's Paul's fault. We all blame Paul. <laughs> so, yeah, saying you brought it down is one thing. I mean, they cut that pig in half. Yeah. <laughs> so um, Sylvie was brought down to one hit point. And after bringing down the second of these large insectoid beasts, that's where we stopped last time. And that is where we join you now. It is the early afternoon and you are in this underground shrine. Arnold and Guy are on the west side in what is the library section. And then in this central kind of sitting room area, we've got Sylvie and Magram and Ornan, as well as the dead body of Hubert. And the Hinky Punk decided to come out and play as well. What are you guys going to do at this moment? Since Arnold is kind of down in the southern part of this room and can't see into the room where the battle was taking place, Guy's going to look at him and say, Arnold, you may want to take a moment before you look at what happened in that other room. I am so, so sorry. As you recall, Arnold was under some kind of confusion from these beasts. As soon as he shakes his head clear, you see the blood drain from his face, even before you begin talking, Guy, and you get the distinct impression that he already knew. He races out of the library, past you, past the corpse of this giant beast, and runs over to Hubert, cradling this hog in his arms, weeping uncontrollably. Aww. I did that. <laughs> you did do that. <laughs> do I have control of myself again yet, or am I still... Yes, you do. As soon as the creature died, uh, the confusion uh, effect wore off. Okay. I think Sylvie's going to go kind of back into that library, um, and she had been looking at that the book that was open on the table that had been being examined, um, and I think she's going to pick that back up. Right there, yeah. remind me that was that was discussing the the state of like the natural world in this area three hundred to five hundred years ago. Yes, exactly. Okay. Yeah, it, it was a, it was depicting all the flora and fauna of basically. What about the Meriwether? What was that? Flora, fauna, and Meriwether are the fairy godmothers in Sleeping Beauty. Gosh, nailed it. Uh, yes, anyway. Meriwether's the grumpy one. <laughs> I think we were trying to figure out like if it had anything 
at all in similarity with that map that we had found. Yeah, I mean, if you want to spend some time looking through it, uh, that is definitely doable. If you want to take it with you, I don't think that Arnold is in any state to stop you. Uh, he seems totally preoccupied. Or you can stop here and keep looking. Uh, I'll pocket it for now. Okay. Malgrim is going to go over to Arnold and try to console him. Arnold, no D. Remember, that was a running joke last time, too. Arnold. Oh, that's right. Arnold. He's a eunuch. Oh my god. And he just lost his massive hog. <laughs> Wait, did he just now become a eunuch? It's, it's oh. so sad. Yeah, he was actually Arnold last episode, but now he doesn't have it. <laughs> we were just pronouncing it wrong. <laughs> oh my gosh. Oh, well, Mogram will try to console Arnold. And I think if it's okay, while people are looking around for the next 10 minutes, I'm going to ritually cast Kalimvor's Preservation, which um, basically protects the corpse from decay for the next, like, 10 days or so and prevents it from becoming undead. Okay. So for 10 minutes, Magram is there with... I, I imagine you're kind of quiet. Arnold is quiet, uh, so reading his emotions, reading his mood... Uh, you're just kind of quiet as well and doing uh, the motions and the, the different ceremonies to preserve this this hero of a hog. Sprinkling pee over his face. Oh, my Jeez. gosh. What? <laughs> it's been boiled down. It's been boiled down. <laughs> I'm not a monster. <laughs> what are Guy and Ornan doing? Guy is giving... Um, he's going to give Arnold some space and okay. probably go look over uh, Sylvie's shoulder at this and say... Uh, and say Maybe we should take some time with that book right now. I think we have a minute. At least ten, by uh, the looks of Magrim over there. (laughs) Ornan's just going to help Magrim with his ritual. Not that he's actually doing anything, but, you know, uh, helping move the pee to the right places for the ritual. Oh, gosh. (laughs) It's sterile, all right? It's sterile. (laughs) Okay, the ritual takes salt and copper, not urine. Not this time. (laughs) (laughs) All right, so... Magram, you are doing this uh, ceremony for the hog. Guy and Sylvie, you're looking over this book. Ornan, you're helping out wherever you can. Ten minutes pass. Arnold starts to calm down as he cries. Tears are still flowing freely, but his shoulders are not shaking as much. Sylvie and Guy, you look over this book. As you start looking through it, you see that um, it is written kind of in an older style, but easy enough to sound things out. We've had this conversation before. You know, the the different looking letters but as you're flipping through pages you do discover that this book uh, is not just about this area it's actually about basically this whole northern half of Veosaveria so it covers Alaron and it covers Pythrian Barony it covers the Syrian Valley and then it also covers the Varian Marches so basically, if you're looking at the map of Veosaveria, it's all surrounded by mountains on the north and on the east and on the west. And then there's this arm, this spur of mountains that comes from the west. Uh, and it comes right basically through the middle of the country and it separates the country into north and south. And so this book actually talks about the flora and fauna and Meriwether, thank you, of the northern part of what is current day Veosaveria. Ten minutes pass. What does Hubert's body look like when you're done? Um, it has been like... Have a, you ever seen a butcher's window? Oh my gosh. <laughs> yes, I have. 
yeah. So I mean, I, I mean, you had described it as like this. This poor hog was cut in half. So, as tastefully as you possibly could, with essentially something that's been that mutilated, he has tried to like put it into a state of gentle repose, um, placing I don't know the portions next to them next to each other and draping it with something, maybe some bows of leaves or or things nearby kind of creating like a almost like a, a circle around the, the body and then that with the salt and some of the other components that go into actually casting this ritual and while it is still grim and gruesome and there's no repairing what was done at least there is like a sense of peace in this area very nice also, the hinky punk and the aura have subsided by now, for sure. As the as the ritual ends, I think now Guy's more willing to go make some actual noise, so he'll start poking around the corpses of the the giant um, insectoid mole things. Okay. And Sylvie will pocket that book, hopefully without the uh, druid scene or no scene. For sure. And as, as I think, I'm pretty sure that I mentioned this last time. Um, the book that was open was not the book that was originally there on that, like, lectern, um, that that reading stand. And so um, it looks like it was probably pulled from one of the other shelves. So just I'm going to describe this area again real quick. You're in this kind of sitting area. And to the south is an archway that leads back into that main room where the shrine with the statue is and then the stairs leading out to the... West, Magram, go ahead and stop moving. Ma, well, stop. <laughs> stop moving. <laughs> to the west. Sorry. To the west is an archway leading into the library. And then to the east is uh, an archway that leads into what Arnold had said was the dormitory. But you guys have not gone down there yet, at least not very far. Uh, there's a staircase just a little ways past the archway to the east that goes uh, down about 10 feet. And one of these creatures is lying dead on those stairs. Uh, and that's about as far in the other chamber as you have gone. Magram started to step into this eastern chamber, walking past this large uh, being, this large insectoid creature, as everyone else is still gathered together in that main room. Magram, as you step into the hallway, suddenly you hear a voice calling out. You can see that this hallway, the staircase as it goes down, then this hallway turns uh, to the south, so it turns to the right, uh, and then you can't see what's past, um, but you hear a voice calling from down that hallway, and the voice calls out, and what it says is... It's dark! No. So So cold! cold. (laughs) Please help! I'm lost! Okay. What this voice says is, Get away! Lest my blessing turned curse harm you any further. Are you speaking to me? No response. Magram, are, are you talking to yourself over there? I, I heard somebody speaking from down this hallway. He's probably just writing in his diary again. <laughs> he thinks he's just Duh. doing it in his head, but he moves his lips and <laughs> they can hear him. I can hear him whispering under his breath. We can hear most of what you say when you're writing. Diary? I, I don't have a diary. What are you, what are you guys <laughs> talking about? <laughs> you're so funny. We are funny. We're pretty great, huh? Looking around nervously. Probably BFF material. 
you hear a, you hear the voice call back out, Magram, as you were talking back with the people behind you, even if that's not what you guys were actually saying. You were having a conversation, and this voice calls back out, and it says, I can't guarantee your safety. Leave now. We mean you no harm, whoever you are. I'm going to proceed forward and look down that hall. Yeah, hearing Magram, I'm going to join him. I think he's a little squishy to be by himself. Yeah, Ornan is going to follow him into the room. Yeah, Sylvie's following. Okay. All right. As as um, you come around the corner, you're not actually into the dormitory yet. You can see that just right around the corner, there's an archway that opens up into this uh, this long room. You can see that there are um, just like in the other areas of this of this underground chamber, there are these roots that form the walls of these chambers, and there's like leaves and greenery that grows around the base of these roots. Uh, but you can see that this room is also sectioned off a little bit. It's it's very interesting how the roots have grown. You realize it's definitely not natural. Uh, these roots were encouraged to grow in this way, but there are like six little nooks where these beds are, and they're all divided with these masses of roots that kind of give you a little bit of privacy. Um, and then at the far end of the room, there is this bench with a chest on it. But from where you guys are standing, you can see there is a figure all in dark clothing. As you recall last time, Magram realized that these torches and candles that are lit down here, they had to be lit by hand. These are not magical torches. And there's one torch that is lit here uh, in this dormitory. And in the light of this torch, Magram, you see a figure, a figure dressed in black, a figure hooded and cloaked. And you see the same figure that was in the entry chamber just a few minutes ago you see him standing here and what do you say I don't even know what Margram would say I think Margram would say something like who are you and what are you doing in this shrine their back is to you um, as you ask what they're doing in this shrine this figure turns around and makes eye contact with you and you all see this elven figure with age etched across their face. You see Steve Buscemi. What is up, my fellow kids? <laughs> you see you see this ancient beyond belief elven person. You see a hand holding the hood. You see a staff in one hand. You see that there is a quiver and a bow across the back of this figure. And you see a face that you recognize. You see the unbelievably old face of Jib-Jab. <gasps> what? You hear him say, I have come to be rid of what I thought was a blessing, but even Sylvanus cannot help me. Now you'd best go before. And then he turns around as you hear thrashing and noise coming from the end of the dormitory behind him. And he turns back to you and he says, run. And then he puts his hand on the roots that are next to him and whoosh, disappears. As climbing out of 
the brush and roots pulling its way into this chamber. You see this large amalgamation of body parts, three thick trunk-like legs. You see three massive tentacles swinging in the air with sharp spikes on the ends. You see a gaping maw with sharp teeth, this long tongue, drool and spittle spitting out of this thing's mouth as it roars and comes at you. And we are going to roll initiative. Gee rolled a seven. Orden got a 21. Oh, wow. Sylvia rolled an 18. Yeah, and Mogram rolled an 18 as well. Wow. Have fun, guys. I'll be back here. <laughs> Don't worry. I probably won't hit anything anyway, so you'll get to play. And at this point, Arnold is far back. But I will actually add him in as well because who knows what's going to happen. And just to add insult to injury, I'm going to add Hubert too. <laughs> So we can We're skip, skip him every turn. round <laughs> and just remember how much we love him. Oh. Wait, did we get any benefits of like a short rest or anything while we were hanging around? No, you did okay. not. That's fair. Okay, we are going to start at the very top of the initiative with Ornan. Ornan, you see this massive um, green skin, slick skinned, um, almost, almost rock looking texture, but it's wet with with sweat or some viscous fluid on it. It is this very disgusting creature. What are you going to do? Uh, Ornan is going to move forward 30 feet and he's going to call on Ephos and uh, have his you know glowing worm come out. Then uh, Ornan is going to throw his hand axes from where he's at. Okay. The first attack is a crit. Oh my gosh, are you kidding me? <laughs> nice. <laughs> Yes. <laughs> All right, roll some damage. 14 damage, uh, but I'm going to do Ephos's uh, bite at the same time, so this should double that as well. Oh, that's cool. Uh, roll the six, so that'll be 12. So 24 damage, or 26 damage. Am I mathing right? Oh my gosh. Eight slashing, six crit to 14, plus the six burrowing. Would this double as well, the burrowing? Because it was a crit? Uh, yeah, I would. Okay, so... 26 damage. So 26 damage with one with a hand axe. <laughs> oh my gosh. Guys, there's creatures coming out of the walls here. Stay behind oh, me. You look like you got it handled. Seriously. <laughs> well, well, we'll see what happens. Hey, hey, Ornan, maybe maybe just stop using the pick and just start using the hand axe more often. You know, that's that's a great option. We'll see. Axes are really cool. <laughs> is there another tech coming or is that the only hand axe you have? I think... I think I've got two, but I threw one in the last fight, didn't I? And I don't, I didn't say that I like went and picked it up. So I think you would have. You're in the okay. same, you're in the okay. same area. Yeah, it's weapons are different than ammunition. So, okay. Yeah. So I'm going to throw the second hand axe. Okay. And only an 11 to hit on that one. And that one, as it's coming towards you, it roars and slaps it aside with one of its tentacles. All right. That will be my turn. Okay, that'll bring us to Arnold. Arnold is going to come around and stare behind you guys and see what is going on. And uh, that is his whole turn because he uses his whole movement to get over here. Okay. Uh, who's got a higher uh, dex, Magrim or Sylvie? I've got a 12. I've got a 14. Oh, Sylvie's up. Sylvie, it's your turn. Okay. Uh, Sylvie is going to walk forward a little bit and 
is going to cast Bitch Bolt. I love that. <laughs> <laughs> On this guy. Okay. Can you see if you can hit? Okay. So that is a 19. Okay. Yeah, that'll hit. Yeah, that is for 12 damage. Oh, wow. Ooh, nice. Nice. And uh, she's going to stay there, kind of hiding behind Orin. All right. And you are now connected by this bolt of lightning if Baldur's Gate 3 has taught me anything. All right. <laughs> Mogram, you are up. All right. Mogram will move forward the 20 feet or so into the room, kind of also behind Ornan. Now, I don't have dark vision, so I can't really see into these shadows. Oh, yeah. So you're going to have disadvantage to attack anything. And if you have a yeah. spell that requires vision, uh, then you can't actually see. So you can't use those spells. So what I'd like to do is on the ground, I'm hoping that there are like rocks or something mm -hmm. or a stick. Oh, yeah. And I'd like to grab it as like an item interaction. And then for my action, use my flare cantrip. I'm turning it into like I'm co covering it in like that phosphorus material that I have. So break open a capsule, cover it in the stuff. And then that will cause it to light up. And then I'm going to throw it into the room as okay. my, if, if you're cool with that. Yeah. Where do you want it to go? Uh, just kind of in this general direction. You hurl it into the room and you see it bounce off of something solid as it hits the ground. And now you can see this creature here um, at the back of the dormitory. Oh, that is icky. Um <laughs> Sylvie, how how are you doing? You know, I have been better. Um, I would say I'm around 50-ish percent of my vibe. Got it. Without looking up, I am going to lift up my left hand and shoot a dart into Sylvie's shoulder. <laughs> just just point blank crossbowing <laughs> your just... friend. <laughs> right, right into her. Just don't, thunk. don't. Don't crossbow your friends. Wait, was was that was that a clip from uh, was it Kick Ass where we have the pic, the, the shot of uh, Nicolas Cage shooting the girl point blank? Uh, I think so. I think so. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I vaguely remember that. Gosh, I haven't seen that in a while. That's how I'm imagining it. Yeah. yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah. Right. It's something along that line. So I, I heal you, Sylvie, for seven points. It hurts so good. And that is it. All right. Well then, Gee, it is your turn. All right, well, all of my allies have successfully made a barrier to me getting within 30 feet of this thing. So I'm going to stay back where I'm at. And for this round, I'm just going to go ahead and lob some arcane bursts at this guy. And I will say, Rupti's, and I will throw out the two different arcane bursts. First one is a nat 20 to hit. <laughs> oh, my gosh. So that's a twenty-seven, uh, but uh, only does nine damage. So that's the that's the blue that's the blue the blue ball. Jeez, <laughs> <laughs> that's the ball of force that I normally shoot. I've got the blue balls, <laughs> the purple bloated Balzac, <laughs> and then the second one is uh, only a nine to hit, and that will miss. Okay, so the 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 amber crow misses, and Kay. that's where I'm, I'm just gonna stay there in the back. Okay, actually no, you know what? I'm actually gonna move over to my to the west up like 10 feet um, just so that I'm not right in a line with this thing in case it shoots lightning bolts <laughs> <laughs> oh good 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 we are going to 
at Shoot this a lightning point, bolt? <laughs> no. Well, at this, at this point, this creature, this foul three-legged tentacled creature is going to come stomping up to Ornan and then go around Ornan and flank Magram and Ugh. Sylvie. Oh, no. Hey, that's not what you're supposed to do. <laughs> well, he's still within your threat range, so you don't get an attack of opportunity. But this creature, not the smartest creature out there, does see potential prey. Um, Ornan, with your uh, purple worm uh, circling around you, you seem a little too big for this thing to um, try to take down. So we have two tentacle attacks coming, one at Magram and one at Sylvie. Magram, does a an 11 hit you? It does not. Woohoo! Does a... A 21 hit you, Sylvie. It does. I'm very grateful for Magram's uh, shot in the arm. <laughs> you are going to take 10 bludgeoning damage, plus those spikes on the end of its tentacle are going to deal an additional three piercing damage. Oh, oof. So you take that damage, Sylvie, and also you are grappled and you are restrained. So... Um, on your turn, you can attempt to escape, but that difficulty is going to be a 13 for you to escape. Okay. Okay. And then with its oh, last man. action, it is going to bite. The bite attack is uh, either going to be Magram or Ornan. And so odds are evens. It's going to be against Ornan. Ornan, there is a bite coming your way, and that is going to be an 18. Does that hit you? That just barely hits. My AC is 18. Okay, you are going to take 2d8 plus 3. That is going to be 12 uh, piercing damage. Is it magical? No, it is not. Cool. I need you to make a DC 15 constitution save. Oh, dang. Okay. Oh, no, I got a 9. Oh, no. You are poisoned. Cool. That's disadvantage on all your attacks and ability checks. Okay, that is this thing's turn. We are back to the top of the round with Ornan. Ornan, what are you going to do? Ooh, I'm feeling a little woozy after that one, but let's have at him. I'm going to make an attack with disadvantage with my war pick. Oh, no. Uh, An 11 to hit. Oh, gee, that is not going to hit. And I am going to try again with the war pick. We'll see what happens. Uh, 17 to hit. That will hit, yes. Nice. Uh, for nine piercing damage. I'm feeling a little woozy, guys. And the the purple worm will bite for four damage, so 13 total this turn. Nice. Very good. Okay. It's Arnold's turn. He is going to uh, cast a... Actually, he can't see. He's going to move over a little bit until he can see this creature. As he moves up towards this archway into the dormitory, actually into the into the space uh, of the archway, uh, he can finally see this creature well enough to cast a spell. Uh, this creature is going to make a dexterity saving throw and pass and take no damage as a fire erupts under its feet. And that is now going to be Sylvie's turn. Sylvie, you are grappled and restrained. If you want to escape, it is going to take your action to do so. Honestly, I think... Can I Misty Step out of there? Does Misty Step require somatic uh, anything, or is it all just verbal? Oh, verbal. Just verbal. Oh, then yes, you can. <laughs> then okay, yes, cool. you can. Okay, so first I'm going to uh, do another little witch bolt at him because we're connected. 
Oh, um, when you got hit, make, go ahead and make a constitution saving throw first, because, yeah, I forgot we need to make that check. Oh, that's right. That is a nat 20. Okay. Yeah, you're good. Oh, okay. Whoa. Okay. Nice. So then let's do 11 lightning damage to him, and then I am going to misty step back towards the backside of this uh, derm- dormitory. Okay. Fantastic. Out of its reach. To the south side or the north side? The uh, south side. Okay. Okay. Further Correct. in. At this, yeah. at this point, Guy is just sitting in the room just outside the, the archway. Can't see a thing what's going on because I moved out of the way. Well, I made room for you to come in. So oh, nice. now you can mosey on over here. <laughs> Thank you. Okay. All right, Magram, it's your turn. Okay. I think what I'm going to do is... Yeah, I think I think we're gonna go for it again. I'm going to reach in and pull out my symbol of Kelimvor one more time and hold it aloft and summon forth Kelimvor swirling ether again, uh, which was the same thing I used last time. We're gonna get some mileage out of that spell. Last time we were doing it a little bit wrong. We were playing Baldur's Gate three um, rules, so the now we are. <laughs> <laughs> so now we are aware of how this spell actually works. So very good. There is this aura around you. Um, anything else you want to do at this point, Magram? No, I mean just to make sure that I'm clear. Like, of course, I'm going to designate that any of my allies are not going to be impacted by that. Okay, fantastic. Okie dokie. Very good. Okay, that is going to now be Guy's turn. Guy, you are on the north side around the corner, heading back into the main chamber, uh, hiding from this massive, uh, disgusting creature. Okay, not hiding, just strategically positioning myself so that I would not be in a straight line with all of my allies. You do not need to be ashamed of hiding. It Whatever is makes you sleep real... at night. <laughs> it's a very real defense <laughs> mechanism, dude. Tigers hide. Tigers hide all the time. So I'm going to go ahead and... Um, I can uh, move up to just in front of Arnold. Okay, you, you barely enter the, the chamber. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, but I can at least now I can see this creature again. Uh, for my bonus action, I'm going to touch Mogram, and I'm going to send him between, and I'm actually going to send him uh, 30 feet south down by Sylvie. Oh, wow. Okay. What's up, dude? <laughs> and then for my action, I'm going to go ahead and send some more arcane bursts. The blue energy uh, ball. <laughs> I'm trying to <laughs> be so careful. Uh, uh, was it 26 to hit? That'll hit. For 11 force damage. Okay. And then the amber crow is a 17 to hit. That'll hit. For 9 force damage. Yeah, this thing is hurting. Okay. Wow. That's my whole turn. That's all of my movement, my bonus action, and my action. So I'll stay right there. All right. It is now this thing's move. It is oh, going to... Oh, that was to... dumb of me. Sorry. I forgot that he had his. Uh, can I can I change that to how far I moved him? Yes. I'm sorry. I totally. I would have moved him 20 feet to keep it in the in radius. Gotcha. So okay. still plenty of plenty far away to be safe, but the thing still starts to turn its radius. All right. So it made its wisdom save by rolling a natural 19. But how much damage is it going to take from being in your aura, Magram? This will be radiant damage. I'll roll the 3d8. So it was only an eight. So he would take four <sighs> damage. Okay. He is now going to push past Ornan, ignoring Magram and Sylvie and going for the easier targets, the closer targets. One attack coming at Arnold, one attack coming at Guy. Ooh, and Arnold is super weak too. Arnold is... Uh, that's only an 11. Arnold... Oh, his AC is 11. Oh, oh no. my gosh. <laughs> Arnold gets hit, is going to take... 
nine bludgeoning damage and three piercing damage. And he is now restrained and grappled. And with the second attack, uh, Guy, a tentacle coming at you, uh, an 11 is going to miss you, I'm sure. Oh yeah, not with my horse armor. Okay. Um, so then he wants to do his big move, but it's not going to happen because he's only ever got one of you. So now he's going oh, to do a Oh, he's going to clap us together? <laughs> yes. <laughs> oh my gosh. Uh, that's amazing. <laughs> is the bite coming at Ornan or is it coming at Guy? Guy is odds. It is coming at Ornan again. I'm sure tasty. Ornan. It's um, all that mycelium mead. At 24. <laughs> that will hit. All right. You are going to take... Only eight piercing damage. Okay. Down to five. Oh, no. No, 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 no. Only five damage because it's not yes. magical. Yes, yes. Oh, oh you were okay. saying you were dead yeah. by five points. Whew. Different story. I actually have disadvantage on this because I'm already poisoned. Not saving throws. Oh. I thought it was attack rolls and ability, score, ability checks. Yeah. yeah, you're right. You're right. Okay. So what'd you get for your constitution saving throw? Uh, I got a 14. Okay. With a 14, that's going to fail. So because you've already been bitten <sighs> once... I'm going to move this forward a day. Go ahead. I want you to roll 1d10. Oh, no. Move this forward a day? I'm I'm not feeling great, fellas. Okay, you now permanently lose one hit point. Okay. Until this disease is cured, every day you will lose 1d10 hit points from your maximum. If you hit zero, you will die. Now, every day, you get to attempt to make the save again. Cool. Cool, cool, cool. Okay, this campaign is groundbreaking because not only do we play with vehicles, parentheses, land (laughs) skills, and thieves can't, we're also doing disease. Crazy. (laughs) All right, and that is this thing's turn. Ornan, it is your turn. Well, gee, this guy keeps taking bites of me. I'm fixing to take a bite of him. I will attack with disadvantage. That is a 21 to hit. Nice. For six piercing and um, six ethos, so 12 damage on the first attack. Nice. Okay. This thing is looking very rough. Well, it's hard to tell because it is already so gross and rough looking anyway. The second attack... Oh, I got a crit, but I have disadvantage. So the second attack is a 16. And that will hit. Oh, cool. Oh, good. For 12 more piercing damage. Ornit, what happens to this disgusting creature? Is Arnold still grappled? Uh, yes, he is. Okay, so um, Ornan is swinging at the, the tentacle that's grappling Arnold and just like hammering into it as much as he can to try and free him. Um, and he just uh, punctures straight through it with his, the warpick side and the arm falls limp and the creature falls down. And it oozes everywhere, right? There is this massive, disgusting, wet, now slick with not just like the slime and secretions, but also blood. This massive creature lying here dead in the dormitory of the Shrine of Sylvanus. And we are going to cue victory music. If you want to make it sound really gross, just say it has also discharge. Yes, oh, it's a mucusy discharge. discharge. It's a mucusy discharge all over its body. Secretions, yeah. Discharge, ooh. <laughs> the uh, the uh, the uh, the tongue looks kind of like when Jabba licks Leia. 
Oh, uh, yeah. You know what I wonder. All right, fellas, I'm, I'm going to take a little sit down. I'm, uh, I'm not feeling so hot. Ornan's going to sit down on one of the beds. Oh, my goodness. Ornan, this is not good. I, I, it would take me some time, but I could prepare something to potentially alleviate this, but it may take me a day to uh, change up my spells. <laughs> oh, don't you worry about it. I'll, I'll probably be fit as a fiddle in the morning, but uh, why don't you prepare it just in case? And uh, I, I'd appreciate that. Thank, thanks, Magrum. Got to prepare the antibiotics. <laughs> um, Arnold comes into the dormitory and he starts looking around the dormitory, looking to see where that figure went and to see if there's anything else lurking in any of these corners. Where did Jib Jab go? And uh, Guy's actually going to put his sword away and he's going to pull out the queen's scepter in case he has to do some talking. Uh, are we sure that was Jib Jab? I, uh, like from the dreams? I'd recognize that face anywhere. That was that was Jib Jab. I mean, it was an older, older, emaciated, so much older. Yeah, liver spots, more wrinkles. But the eyes were the same. Badger? I didn't see any sign of badger. Don't rub it in. Oh, s- sorry. <laughs> R.I.P. Bud. He's with uh, he's with Hubert now. <laughs> well, when Magrum preserved Hubert, it's gonna make the the bacon tastier, last longer. Oh, great jeez. Arnold oh, turns around <laughs> and he, he scowls at you. I have been trying for so long to come up with a with like a way to format the joke of Arnold giving up on Hubert, taking him to the butcher and saying, get to the chopper! Because <laughs> <laughs> oh. he's, he's Arnold. Yeah. And he's going to chop him up. Yeah. Oh my gosh. Um, Ar- Arnold looks around and he's, uh, you can tell he's been through a lot. I mean, you guys all have been through a lot, but he's like, I think this is, I think we're clear. I'm, I'm going to go check the rest of the shrine. And he, he moves out of the room away from you all. Does it feel, it feels like this, the presence has been lifted? It feels cleansed here? Well, I still feel burning in my veins, and presence isn't gone for me. It hurts when I pee. <laughs> I was just about to say that. <laughs> well, I haven't peed yet, but we'll see in a, in a couple hours here. I don't know about you, but after a good fight, when the adrenaline comes down, I always have to pee. Magrum, get your flask ready. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Okay, yeah, so you guys just saw Jib Jab here in the room. Um, I want you guys to make Arcana or um, Survival or Nature checks, some kind of uh, check. Sylvie rolled a 26 for Arcana. Whoa. Guy rolled a 17 Survival. Ornan got a 7 Survival with disadvantage. And uh, Magrum got a 17 Arcana. As you guys are taking a, a second to breathe after all of what just happened... Sylvie and Magrum, uh, Sylvie a little bit faster than Magrum, you guys both realize a conversation you guys had earlier about traveling through plants. That was like two episodes ago for everyone who's listening. Um, Arnold had made the comment that he's not powerful enough yet to travel uh, via plants. Um, Sylvie, you've read a lot back home when you were preparing for this uh, this mission that you're on and um, you remember hearing about certain types of spells or abilities that that some people have especially people who are really in tune with nature and you determine that what actually happened more than likely was a tree stride that 
um, Jib Jab was able to touch the roots of these trees and was able to stride through the trees. And with your insane arcana, um, I will even tell you what that tells you about the spell. If this changes anything you guys are going to do. Tree Stride is a fifth level spell, so it's more powerful than you can cast. But what you do know is that the person can travel from a tree that they're at to any tree of the same kind within 500 feet. So this is not a teleport across the country or out of the city type of a spell. This is Jib Jab is still close. And you realize that as you are sitting here coming down off of this battle. Awesome. I will explain that to everyone and, and let them know that uh, I, th- I think Jib Jab is still in the area. He's probably pretty close by. Uh, I don't know if we want to try to track him down, but we should keep it in mind. We're not alone. Hell yeah, I want to track him down. And and Guy will actually run out of the room. Guy runs out of the room. Past Arnold, who is uh, sitting next to Hubert again, just kind of resting his head on Hubert's dead body. Arnold doesn't even look up at you as you run past. Yeah, I will, I'll run through kind of in the, the antechamber again where the altar is. If I don't see him there, I'm going to run outside. I'm going to do that whole thing where I, I come out of the building and I look around with wild eyes and I'm spinning and the camera's spinning around me the other way and there's all these jerky cuts. And what you see around you is trees. Yeah. Trees as far as you can see to the east. I do want you to make a quick perception check while you are standing out there. What's everybody else doing? I think Sylvie wants to investigate the spot where Jib Jab was hanging around back here. Yeah, Markram would like to help her with that too. Okay, perfect. Um, Ornan, and you're just taking a break? Yeah, Ornan's sitting down, trying to feel better. Induce vomiting. Oh, yeah, just trying to, yeah, just not feeling great. All right, well, you should, Mod- shouldn't try sucking the poison out. That doesn't actually work. <laughs> uh, so- Ornan takes his arm out of his mouth. Oh, <laughs> um, so, uh, Mogram and Sylvia, I want you guys to, one of you make a an investigation check with advantage. Uh, Guy, as you are staring out uh, uh, around you, looking back at the city, looking out at the trees, what'd you roll, Guy? I rolled a 15 perception. As you're looking to the east, and a little bit east by southeast, basically, you see erupting out of the trees uh, this flock of of birds it looks like they are like sparrows or something some little tiny little bird um uh i was gonna say a skylark but that's like a buick i don't know what a skylark actually is but anyway <laughs> but you see these little birds these little sparrows or cardinals or jays of oh, some oh. kind <laughs> they they um they uh bust out of the trees and they don't just fly and flitter away they start to attack each other they start going at it. I said it. <laughs> These birds start to like dive at each other, and uh, you see it, you're you're a bit of a, you're a bit of a distance away. But you can see that these birds are attacking each other uh, here in the sky. And the, you would recognize just with you, what little knowledge you have of nature. These are not birds of prey. Like these are seed eating birds. You know, they might go after a worm and that's as far as they go. OK, well, I'm, I'm running that direction and I will actually I'll yell out and I'll say, Jib Jab, Jib Jab, we're OK. Please, we have so many questions as I run toward that area. Here is what I will say. You start running out into the forest by yourself. Cool. I'm very smart. Magrum, Sylvie, 
what did you guys get for your investigation? What's your uh, modifier? I'd, I'd say like I'm a I'm like a five or so in my okay. investigative I'll, skills. I'll roll. All right, a twenty-five. Yeah, twenty-five. You start looking around uh, to see what you can find. Like, what was he doing here? Honestly, as you um, as you start looking around to see what he was doing, you start looking at the ground. It's like it's rock because you're in a cave, but there's also dirt all over it. You know, like any real cave, there's like dirt and pebbles and things like that. Um, it looks to to you like he was actually here by this back wall of the dormitory as far from the archway as he could get and it looks like he may have been on his knees there by uh, by the bench it doesn't look like he was going through anything he wasn't like ransacking or or preparing for combat or anything like that it looks like he was on his knees is this a treasure chest in front of me it's a footlocker can I open it yeah you can open it that's fine yeah it's not locked you can get some Jordans at the footlocker <laughs> yeah <laughs> Oh, these are some hot kicks. You open it up. Um, You see that there are some, like, uh, some feathers and some sticks and leaves. You see that there are some um, little, uh, like, uh, pieces of quartz, maybe some obsidian. These are some... Basically, it's it's the treasure, like, the little keepsake treasure box that my nine-year-old has of cool things she finds in the yard. Exactly. Exactly. It is. It is only um, Magram. You would recognize uh, Magram and Sylvie both. You would recognize that some of these can be used to uh, help facilitate power in some way, right? So this this would be like a little um, spell components type of a chest potentially. Got it. But nothing that necessarily you guys could use. This is the room where the druids would stay. So this is probably somebody's personal effects. Well, I guess this is just junk that won't be worth anything. I wonder what he was doing over here. It's so strange that he was just hanging around this bench. Yeah, that is very weird. We're going to cut back outside. Gee, you are running through the forest. You are calling out for Jibjab. You have the scepter in your hand. Here is what I'm going to say. Okay. I want you to make a persuasion or intimidation, but I'm guessing you're going to do persuasion. Oh, yeah, persuasion. That is a dirty 20. Uh, with a dirty and I'm swinging the scepter around like how uh, Guy would imagine like a, a king would direct a choir or something. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, you've been chasing um, Jib Jab for almost a minute at this point. You're waving this thing around, you're calling out, and you hear a voice call down from you from what looks like up in one of these trees that surrounds you. And as you glance up, you can see this figure dressed in dark clothing. You see now that you're not underground. You see that it's not actually black. It's just dark greens and browns and these earthy colors. And you see this figure that you now know is Jibjab. And he is standing on one of these lower limbs of one of these trees. And he says, You'd be better off not following me. I can't vouch for your safety. But we've seen you in our dreams. We've all dreamed you. You and your three companions. <laughs> three companions? The clown and the um, the recluse and the, the one with the skull, the bird guy. He shakes his head and he says, Them? <laughs> From way back then? No. No. You, you need to stay away from me if you want to stay safe. We've seen Loida in our dreams. That might not have been the right thing to say. He did throw a knife at the little girl. <laughs> yeah, you see, you see his shoulders slump. And he says, I never, I never meant to hit her like that. But it didn't, 
It didn't change anything. And he kind of keeps looking around, almost frantic. And he's like, you, you need to get away from me if you want to stay safe. But we're connected somehow. You're in our dreams. We dream together when we dream of you and your companions. Um, make a perception check. Uh, oh, that's a nine. Jeez. Nine. As the dog jumps on my back from behind and starts biting my head. Um, yeah, not a dog. Oh, no. Badger, badger. Not badger. No, I'm sorry, badger. <laughs> badger is gone. Badger's gone. So just gone. There, How many um, years has badger been dead? That's a very good question. <laughs> um, suddenly, from out of the bushes behind you, uh, you hear... As suddenly you get hit from behind by this large creature. Um, as you are knocked to the ground, you see there is all of this dark, thick, brown fur and this snarling snout, big claws, sharp teeth coming down at your face. Your brain barely has a second to register bear before oh, the bear goes limp and falls down dead on you. Oh, geez. With an arrow sticking right through its eye. You are now pinned underneath this bear as you look up at Jibjab, bow in hand, and he is shaking his head. Uh, Sabrina, would, would Jibjab cry? I feel like Jibjab would have a single tear roll down their cheek and uh, kind of a moment of silence almost. Just like a, a half moment of silence. Yeah. You see Jibjab, uh, a single tear, yeah, glances to the side for just a second, takes a breath, and turns back to you and he says, I can't control this. You'd best forget about me. And then he puts his hand on the tree trunk and, again, melds into the tree and is gone from sight. You are pinned under this dead bear. It's going to take you a little bit to get out from underneath it. It's a Unless I just pass bear. between... Unless you pass between. Yes, that is true. You can pass between. I'll pass between. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> What's going on with uh, Sylvie and Magram and Ornan at this point? I mean, I think we're, I'm, at least I, I would be walking out of the dormitory area. Yeah, okay. I'd be heading up to go see what, what Guy found out. All right. I'm um, really sorry for throwing up all over your shoes. <laughs> <laughs> As you guys start moving out of the shrine, you walk up and past Arnold, um, who is next to the body of Hubert. And uh, as you move past him, he calls out, he says, I I is it done? Is, is the shrine, is it cleansed? Is it safe? Well, it's tough to say if it is fully cleansed, but it seems that we have put down some of the creatures that dwelt here. Is it possible to do like a nature check or something to kind of see if I have a sense on how cleansed this shrine is? Sure. And he's going to make it as well with disadvantage because he is so distraught. Or would it be like a religion check? What do you think? I'll say you can do a religion or arcana or you can do nature just because this is not straight nature. I'll do an arcana check. I have better skill with that. An 18 for Mogram. Okay. With your 18 arcana. So when you were talking to Jibjab, when when all these crazy things were happening down here, um, it, you didn't have the time to process everything. But now that you think back on it, you recognize that these are natural creatures, but behaving unnaturally, right? 
these creatures that you saw, these giant insectoid beasts with pincers and claws and this uh, three-legged green tentacled behemoth, you've never heard of them being around here, right? But they're, but they're not like, they're not necessarily monsters. They're still somewhat naturally occurring creatures. There was something off. And now you sense, as you're sending out your awareness around you, as you're kind of feeling things out, you sense that little trickle of, we'll call it arcane, but that little that little poisoning of nature that was going on in here, you sense that that is gone. And that if this, if you want to call this clean or free of taint, that yeah, you, you, would, you would feel safe in saying that whatever was affecting this, this shrine is no longer affecting it. Got it. Yeah, um, Victor would say after a moment, he would kind of breathe in and out and kind of feel the area a little bit with his mind. And he would say, I believe that it is clean for the time being. Um, Whatever was tainting the minds of these creatures seems to have lifted for now. He nods. He says, thank you. Thank you very much. I will reconvene the, uh, the druids here of the shrine and when when we have everything in order and everything everything cleaned up um, come back to us in a couple of days and we'll show you our gratitude as as acolytes and followers of Sylvanus Margram would just nod to that so um, we have Ornan and Sylvie and uh, Magram leaving the shrine. Um, Guy, you, uh, you have passed between out from underneath the body of this large grizzly bear. I'll shout for my companions and I'll say, I'm over here, everybody. I found another skin we can sell. <laughs> you all come out and uh, after a while you hear Guy's voice calling you from further into the forest and you come upon Guy and this massive carcass of a brown grizzly bear. I didn't do this. That wasn't Arnold's friend, was it? No, this one was a big one. No, it could have been a friend, I don't know. It was about to attack me, and Jib-Jab saved my life. I think that... I think Jib-Jab is the source of this blight. It seems that he feels, or rightly so, probably, that he can't protect us from what he brings that we should leave him alone and not search for him because it's too dangerous and he can't guarantee our safety but what is it that is afflicting him that would cause such chaos I don't know he didn't share very much honestly I told him briefly because he wanted to get the hell out of here but I told him that we shared dreams of him and his companions when I was in their head, I I didn't feel like it was a malicious presence. I, I wouldn't imagine that they would have done this intentionally. And by, by the way, uh, being in, in Jib-Jab's head, I, I think they prefer to go by they, them. Okay. I don't think that they felt that way either. I think that uh, they felt bad for bringing whatever this... I'm going to call it a blight. A curse? A curse, a blight, for bringing it with them. Is Jib Jab still out there? They left. Just being in their presence, a grizzly bear came out of nowhere and tried to eat me. I watched as they passed through the trees. I watched as peaceful birds began attacking each other. 
a beast in their presence loses all control of their aggressiveness. And Jibjab loved the forest. That That's so sad. You know, Arnold said that he would try to reconvene and reestablish the shrine and that we should perhaps visit in a couple days. I wonder if they are more familiar with Jibjab and that they might be able to give us any information that they can um, about Jibjab. Because it would seem to me that understanding what they have been through and what this curse or blight or whatever this is may be, well, it seems to me that this is the closest thing to a lead that we have as it relates to these dreams. I have an idea. Um, If Jib-Jab has been around for quite some time, as it seems, maybe they are familiar with some of the ruins on that map. Could be that they're hiding out in some of them. That is a possibility. It would also make sense why Father West used to be uh, populated areas and now is all wilderness, as far as we can tell. That could be where Jib-Jab ranges. It it would be easy to find, it seems like. Just follow the trail of insane animals. Yes, just if it's dangerous, keep going further in. Uh, Sylvie, you would also know, I think, from the last time that you were in their head, at the grave of Badger, um, the sense that you got from Jib-Jab was one of a desire to be away from humanity, a desire to lose themselves out in nature, a desire to uh, give up all of that urban city that only brought them trouble, only brought them pain. And uh, that was the distinct impression you got uh, at that second uh, vision that you had of Jib-Jab. Wherever wherever they went, I imagine it would be very unpopulated. I I think they're running from civilization. I think they're trying to keep everyone safe. And I don't know that we are canny enough to survive following them. Ornan throws up. <laughs> I mean, I'm a city boy. I'm a city boy who loves horses. I think we could manage it. I don't know that we have any other choice. The Dungeon Master wouldn't throw us monsters above our challenge rating yet, would he? I think he would. You know me. (laughs) He's been talking about a TPK for a minute. Oh, yeah, he definitely would. But not anymore. Actions speak louder than words. We heard your resolution, Paul. (laughs) Yes, you did. (laughs) I mentioned James and uh, the Crow one and um, uh, Artificer. What was his name? Uh, Spritz. I don't get the idea that the crow was friends with any of them. I I said friends, but I mentioned them. And I mentioned, I I told them that we dreamt of that party. We dreamt of what happened. We dreamt of Loida. And they seemed, they seemed mournful. I sure hope this curse isn't because of that. Because that was definitely a very warranted killing. <laughs> well, she didn't. Lloyda didn't die. Yeah. So, real quick for all of our listeners who are like, "Wait, Lloyda, that sounds so familiar." If you recall, in our prologue episode, the very first episode of this campaign, deep underneath the ancient uh, chapel of Kelimvor in the ancient crypt, as Lloyda, this young girl, 
was breaking barriers and allowing whatever was whatever magics were happening under there um jib jab in an attempt to stop her through a dagger and um me the dungeon master instead of it like hitting her on the side of the head or something like that it stuck right in her chest but she did not flinch it did not bring her down and um tears were flowing down loida's eyes at some point i think you've all realized now that those were not necessarily loida's tears those were whoever had possessed the body of loida those were the tears that you were seeing also, I've been talking about the four companions, but there were more people there as well. There was the there was the uh, cleric of Lathander, there was the merchant guy, and there was the dragonborn bodyguard of the merchant guy. Yeah, so I can go back through those characters again real quick if you want. Um, there was Ensley Ironbrow. She was the um, the dwarven cleric of Lathander. There was also Loida, the young girl. There was Peter the merchant, as well as Norton, the the dragonborn bodyguard. Um, and then there was um, the there were Spritz, Jibjab, Bubbles, and James. Have we ever considered that maybe other people might be sharing these dreams too? Perhaps someone else is connected to the other um, people that were there in uh, in that village. If if other people were, were afflicted with these dreams, where do you think they would go to seek help or to discuss them? Church. Without a Reddit board, I'm not quite sure. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's good. <laughs> oh my god! I think that they would go to. They would go to places of worship. Maybe houses of healing? Yes. Surely not Ionian. Ion, Ion, Ionin. Ionin? Aeonin? Aeonin? <laughs> Remember, it's Aeona, like Aeona Canoe. <laughs> ah. <laughs> oh, gosh. Okay, if, if the plan is to follow Jib-Jab, do we follow now and hope to cross paths with them before they get where they're going and have to travel miles and miles and miles out into the middle of, of nowhere? Or do we wait around and talk with these druids to see if they might know anything about what could be afflicting them and how that could impact all of the wildlife in the area where Jib-Jab ventures and then go find Jib-Jab? I don't, I don't know. What's the plan? I think we should... I think we should stay and talk to the druids first. Well, the first thing that we must do is try to see if we can't help our dear friend Ornan here. And then after that, I would recommend coming back here to the shrine to converse with the druids. Well, okay, so order of operations. Dig a pit for the roast pork. <laughs> Get the coals ready first. Yes. My out press on. That's right. Okay. All right. Well, let's let's head back to town then. I think maybe Ornan, you need to take a rest. We need to get some booze in you. Oh, I don't think my stomach can handle booze right now. And I know I can handle it pretty oh, well no, normally. He's but... really sick. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just not feeling it. I I think I just want to have a lay down for a minute. Right. Let's um. Here, I'll get. Well, you're so short. <laughs> I was gonna, I was gonna say. <laughs> Let me get under your arm and, and help care and help you walk, but uh, let me hold your hand like a toddler. Sylvie, <laughs> Sylvie will help him. She'll get under his shoulder and kind of help him around. I've I've got my feet under me, but I appreciate it, Sylvie. 
you're leaving this bear carcass out in the woods. Fantastic. Um, uh, I'm going to sit there and skin it without any idea of how to skin a bear carcass. We didn't even take our mana core like skins. I know. And those had wings. If I learned anything from Skyrim, it's you could probably get 10 gold for that bear hide. If you um, learned anything from Skyrim, you can just right click on the bear carcass exactly. and take its skin. Exactly. <laughs> All right, you guys start leaving the uh, the area. You head back past the Shrine of Sylvanus and into Greenway Village, which is this small village on the uh, kind of the southeastern side of the city. Uh, you know, there's another small village to the, on the northeast side called Bonner's Row. But you move through Greenway Village and back into the city of Redlam. You also... You know uh, right now where you're entering into the city at, you are actually relatively close to the Oaken Throne, um, you start moving through the streets, uh, going around corners, passing by shops. What is everyone's passive perception? Um, <laughs> like you have to ask. <laughs> well, I know that Mogram's is super high. Sylvie's is 10. 14 for Guy. 10 for Ornan. Mogram's is 24. <laughs> Show off. Mogram, there is nothing, there's no getting anything past you. As you're walking around, you get just a little bit past the Temple of Torm. You are moving through this uh, little square uh, between some of the houses here on the southern part of the city. You're talking about what's been going on. You're kind of trying to process everything. And you come on this square where there is this uh, large circular planter in the middle of the square. And there is a, a statue and the statue is surrounded by a couple of benches. This is like a T intersection. So this, the road that you're on, you're coming from the east and you can head west or you can turn and head south. Uh, you'd want to continue on to the west towards the Oaken Throne. But as you're walking past the statue, uh, mid-sentence, Magram, you look at the statue and you're like, wait, wait a minute. I recognize this statue. You see this statue of an older woman. It has been beaten down by rain and by uh, by this weather, but it is holding this uh, tarnished, uh, patinaed shield. And you're like, wait a minute. It's not the same artist. It's not the same uh, facial features, but this looks like that depiction of the last queen of Eclaria, the one who knelt and took on the office of vassal uh, instead of being a queen in her own right. This looks similar to that last statue in the in the sequence of her life. Ah, uh, Mogram will say, "Hey, check it out, my BFFs. I mean, my <laughs> my companions. Um, I think that this statue is of that same queen that we found on the road. Do we remember what her name was?" Do we know? Do we know her name? Yeah, no, it, 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 you do. Uh, it was uh, the last queen of Eclaria was Queen Saskia. 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 And she knelt and became the vassal to the might of Meyerlof. That's right. She paid homage to King Astolfo. I'm gonna go take a closer look at that statue as soon as as soon as Magram says that. Yeah. There are people milling about. There's a couple of benches around this um, around this statue. This is a part of town where things are not as as well taken care of so the flower bed it's um 
you know, we're, we're getting into May. So a lot of these flowers have wilted and they're starting to die from just being pounded on by rain all the time, that kind of thing. And not enough sunlight to keep them vibrant and healthy. Um, we're definitely turning towards the time of year where things uh, die off and, and hibernate. Wait, you said May? We're in May? I, I mean, did I say May? I meant fall. Yeah. You guys are in okay. fall. You guys are in fall. <laughs> like, um, you know, May, known for when flowers die. <laughs> Yes. April showers bring death to flowers. <laughs> That's right. That's right. No, um, so, um, yeah, you're, you're looking at these flowers. You're looking at uh, this statue. The statue is built up on this plinth. The plinth itself looks relatively intricate, but also old and worn down. Uh, it's, this, it's this large stone statue. It's probably, you know, 14, 15 feet tall. The shield is bigger than um, you guys could carry, right? It's it's definitely oversized. This is not a one to one like the other statues were. Correct, um, and and the shield itself is it looks like it's made out of bronze because it's got that kind of green patina to it, um, but the statue is stone. Yeah, you start looking at this statue. Yeah, I'm looking for like a plaque or something. Okay, there are people milling about and moving yeah, around. I walk right into the flowers. I don't care. I'm getting close <laughs> yeah. to the statue. Any college students giving uh, city tours who are stopping <laughs> by? You do hear like town criers and stuff. People walking about. You you see uh, a young boy like uh, uh, ringing a bell and he's calling out Baron Thorn Darkheart to leave Redlam on his way to Myrloff. Uh He calls out. Word from the West is that... Let me let me think how I how it is. Squid snakes and woods wizards. <laughs> Moose knuckles and squid snakes. <laughs> Here it says, gosh. It says, news from the West. Aeonan acolytes are victorious over forces besetting Beregrad and its environs. You know, that kind of thing. So um, those are that's some of the news of the day that you hear. Gee, you get up to the statue. I'm not even going to make you make a uh, an investigation check or anything. You see a place on this plinth where it looks like there probably was a little plaque, but because the stone is a little bit discolored, but the plaque is missing. You can make. I, I do want you to make an investigation check just to kind of see what you can gather from that information. All right, that's a six. I'm the perfect person to be doing investigation. Well, that's about all you can tell. It looks like Ornan is taking a seat on one of the benches uh, around this thing. He's kind of catching his breath. Magram, you're sitting on another bench. It looks like I've kind of surrounded this statue. I need everyone to make either a performance check or a deception check. Performance or deception? Yes, I do. Uh, Gibral, the 22 deception. You are rock solid. Oh, man. <laughs> Sylvie rolled a seven. <laughs> Mogram got a 16. It was just a 10. That's what I got. Gotcha. Orton is just, like, trying not to throw up. He's just mm-hmm. sitting there, like, trying to keep the world <laughs> from spinning. All right. As you are all standing here looking at this statue, people are moving about. Uh, this is a uh, kind of a main thoroughfare here in this part of town. And as you are standing here looking at the statue, trying to figure everything out, you hear somebody call out, Wilhelm! Gee, you do not move a muscle. Magram, you do not move a muscle. Sylvie, how do you react when you hear the name Wilhelm? And uh, you have to react somehow. Ornan, you have to react as well. 
Sylvie's head whips around to the original voice and then whips immediately over to Guy and then realizing her mistake, <laughs> tries to lean casually on the bench but kind of misses it and falls back a little bit and like falls on her butt. <laughs> Orning turns his head like really sharply when the when the name is called and it was too much movement and just lets it out and just vomits <laughs> all over the bench. Oh, no. Oh, no. Oh, no. oh, oh. gosh. <laughs> Would you believe I'm feeling a little bit better? Okay. I want everyone to make perception checks now. Sylvie got a six. Jeez, he got another 22. Malgram got an 18. Ornan got an eight. Okay. Um, Magram and Guy, the two who played it so cool. Um, you hear the voice, neither one of you move, uh, but you do, um, with just your eyes, both of you start to glance and scan the crowd to see who said it. And both of you lock eyes at the same time on a figure standing over in the corner, uh, kind of by one of these homes underneath uh, a little overhang. And you see he's leaning up against the lamppost. It looks like he's um, looking very nonchalant. Uh, he's dressed in just, you know, typical clothing that you would wear for this time of time of year, you know, kind of warmer woolen pants. He's got a, a jacket with a cloak pulled up. Um, nothing, you know, nothing fancy, nothing dangerous. Yeah, nothing dangerous. at all. <laughs> it's very nonchalant, in fact. He has dark hair. Uh, he's got brown skin. And he... Uh, as you make eye contact with him, he gives you a little smile and then starts walking towards you. Towards me? Towards the group. Okay, I'll just go back to, uh, uh, I, I was going to do something, but now that somebody's coming up, I will uh, um, continue to look around like through the grass to see if like the, the plaque had like fallen off and was down in the roots or anything of, of these, these plants. I was going to take out my scepter and tap the shield, but I won't do that right now. All right. As this figure approaches, you see, you can make out more details as he comes closer. You see pointed ears um, of an elf, and uh, he walks up to the planter, uh, looking up at the statue, uh, and he says, ah, beautiful craftsmanship. I love coming here and just just sitting and staring at this statue. Don't you, Wilhelm? And uh, Guy, again, with his 22 deception, will say, Sorry, who's that? And do you know who this statue is, even is? He looks back at you, Guy, and he says, Oh, come now. Your allies' reactions betrayed you. Do I recognize this person? Make a perception check. Oh, that's a nat one for a five. You do not recognize him at all. I was on a roll. <laughs> He, um, he kind of comes over on the bench next to Magram, and he sits down. Um, and he, but he's not facing Magram. He's facing you, Guy. And he's like, um, he needs to say something and thieves can't. So help me out, guys. Uh, <laughs> make it sound like I'm really cool. Um, he's trying to get the message across that he knows who you are, but he's not after you. Okay. Like, don't worry, I'm not trying to steal your neighbor's potatoes. <laughs> <laughs> I have a cousin that looks just like you. Oh, that's a good one, yeah. Um, he starts to talk to you, Guy, and you recognize that he is speaking in uh, Thieves' Camp. He's using coded language. And he says, 
You know, growing up, my neighbor, you remind me a lot of my neighbor growing up, but you know, I never did really did care for him. Okay. Um, Gee, in response, will say, that's a really weird story to tell a stranger. <laughs> <laughs> Which is Gee's attempt, again, at deception to make it sound like he has no idea what's going on. I know he's trying, this guy's trying to be friendly, but Gee is still very guarded. Yeah. This guy says, uh, again, in Thieves' Can, he says, you know, now that I think about it, actually, my parents borrowed money from his from his family? Oh, I, I just realized we still owe them quite a bit of money. Huh. Anyway, um, and you recognize what he's saying. He might have a job for you. And there's money in it. Then I will, in Thieves' Can't say... <laughs> I got out of potato farming a long time ago. <laughs> okay. And then, and then what he says also in Thieves Can't is... Um, we are so good at this. I know, he says, <laughs> he says, this is so fun. He says, he says in Thieves Can't, he says, um, oh, that's a shame. You know, I always feel like if there's not potatoes, a turnip will do in a pinch. And what you gather from that is... If you won't help me, there's still some value in knowing who you are. It's a bit of a threat. Okay, I will say, I don't know how this goes, but in Thieves' Can, I'll say, F*** you. <laughs> no, I won't, I won't, I won't, I won't, I won't. I'll say, basically, okay, we, in Thieves' Can't. <laughs> okay, so let's stop making stuff up, but let's just say, in Thieves' Can't, I say, I <laughs> Your neighbor's potatoes. <laughs> Ornan and and and, uh, and Sylvie and Mogger were just like, what is going on? These uh, talking about potatoes and other tubers. And now we're we're putting on a thieves can't translation filter. <laughs> bloop, 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 bloop. <laughs> What's the nature of the job? Oh, it's something that you're already good at. Something that you've proven to know how to do. God, I hope it's not safe cracking. <laughs> is it vehicles parentheses land? <laughs> You know, I also have vehicles, parentheses, water. I'm very good. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know how to respond to that. It's so terrible. I'm just picturing that the actual what you're saying in Thieves Cant is like, yes, but the water chestnuts are quite nice. But a water chestnut's just a something by another name for a radish. Uh-huh. <laughs> and we're all just like, what in the world are they talking about? <laughs> exactly, exactly. Again, in, in Thieves Cant, he's telling you... Um, there's an opportunity for you to use your skills, but should you pass on that opportunity, there is a warrant out for your head. And there are people who would take some reward over no reward at all. Why are people paying for chickens? <laughs> <laughs> I can't follow what you're saying. I'll just walk over and rub Ornan's back. <laughs> I'm sorry, they're there, buddy. And then I will say to this guy, Yes, but what's the nature of the package? Am I getting somebody out of town? Am I bringing somebody into town? Is it somebody down on their luck, or is the nature of the work more illicit? All you need to do is find them. But there's somebody who'd like to talk with you more about the potential. I can take you to them. You hear now, everyone who's listening, you hear him saying, you really should meet my wife. She makes the greatest <laughs> mashed potatoes. You should you should come over and have mashed potatoes. I do love mashed potatoes. 
<laughs> Sylvie's like, we're in. <laughs> <laughs> These mashed potatoes are so creamy. Uh, right now, at this very moment. He looks around. He says, no, no better time than the present. Well, I don't know if you noticed, but my friend here is um, throwing up actively right now. Sir, I'm really sorry about your shoes. <laughs> Step a little bit that way. Um, he he says, well, I don't need them. Just you. They can come if they want. What package do you? Well, then, by all means. But just know that the hospitality of the Ravenstone clan does not last forever. Oof. Do I, do I know the Ravenstone clan? Oh, yeah. They are... The mob. I hate. I hate using the word thieves guild because that implies that they have like a pension. <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. Basically, it is the organized crime. The biggest player here in Redlam is the Ravenstone clan. You have just been invited to go and meet the leaders of the Ravenstone clan who have a potential job for you, and that is where we are going to stop. For tonight. I don't like this, but I feel like I have to go. You don't make enemies of the local thieves' guild. They'll make your life hell. I mean, they know who you are. I think that, yeah, they're kind of going to blackmail you. And why do they know who I am, Sylvie Ornan? <laughs> Sylvie's still <laughs> sitting on the cobblestones from when she missed the bench. <laughs> do you think I should buy him a new pair of shoes? <laughs> no, I think, honestly, I think he can pick some up cheap. Oh, Sylvie's can't for he's going to steal it. <laughs> Sylvie's just rubbing her tummy. He's like, "Well, let's go get some of these mashed potatoes." I'm so excited about these mashed taters. Oh, potatoes! Okay. Awesome. <laughs> well, hey guys, thank you so much for playing tonight. This one was a fun one. You guys got to run into Jib Jab again, and then get uh, confronted by a member of the local mob. Wow, crazy! <laughs> Well, Forget to, about it. <laughs> to all of our listeners. I never even looked at you, Sister Mario. <laughs> <laughs> well, to all of our, all of our listeners, uh, thank you so much for coming on this crazy adventure with us and for following along. Also, we hope that uh, as this new year dawns, that it's a great one for all of you. As we continue on putting out great content for you, we just hope that everything just gets uh, better and better. I don't know what I'm talking about. <laughs> <laughs> I thought for sure we hope you have a great time. That's, that's the line. We hope oh, yeah, we hope these get better and better. <laughs> <laughs> anyway. Well, until we get together next time, we hope you have a great time. <laughs> <laughs>